It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are recording this episode of uh, Movie Club that we'll be talking about da- uh, da- David Cronenberg's um, The Fly from 1986. I hope that's all right. Um, but uh, on this Friday the 13th that we're recording this, and I was just saying to Corey off mic, um, well, technically on mic, but unrecorded, that I don't usually buy into superstitions, but today has sucked and is making me uh, call everything into question. Because, man, uh, Full Moon and Friday the 13th maybe is the, the crux for me. It's too much. Couldn't take it. Um, the day is over, though, so I'm, I'm finally happy to just be talking about some movies with you. How's your week been, Corey? Really busy. Yeah, I feel I, the same. Yeah, I, uh, I went to see Ben Folds on Sunday, who was amazing. It was our second time seeing him, and it was kind of like a early anniversary celebration. Uh, now, we left to- during cake. Okay. Do they have it, like, projected on a big screen so you can see all the creases and everything? What? Well, like, Stop. I've never been to watch somebody do origami before. <laughs> Stop it. I wasn't sure. I'm out of here. What no. the process was. <laughs> um, excuse me, sir. Ben Bolt's the musician, who is one of oh. my favorites. And I just wish that I were one quarter as charming as him, and then I feel like I'd do fine in life. Uh, Cake? This was my second time seeing Cake this oh, year. Man. That's cool. I like Cake. No. No, I'm serious. They... I am a big fan of the band Cake. So I liked them too, but we saw them at Shaky Knees, and they were just trying way too hard for audience participation. Mm. And then this time, they had like a 10-minute intro song. It was like fucking Rocky up in there. We mm. had to listen to this stupid song, the whole thing. Oh, man. No words, just like, you know hype music although that wouldn't get me hyped and then they finally walk out on stage and his banter was awful again with trying to get the crowd to participate and three songs in and we left i was just like over it they're not very good entertainers boom i said it you guys can send me hate mail i don't care um some bands are just better like songwriters and studio albums you know and maybe they're not yeah live or Maybe they're just not giving you what you want out of a live show, and and that's fine too, you know. Like not everybody wants yeah. the same thing out of a show. I'm not big on jam bands. I don't like instrumentals, so I would have been just like you. I'd have been devastated. Like, what the hell's happening? Yeah, I mean, then they started playing some songs, but he's like, "Let's applaud the moon tonight. Let's applaud the clouds for rolling out of here." And I'm like, "What, really? Okay, bye." Um, yeah, I don't uh, know. I'm checking Awkward. out. Just yeah, hearing about it. Um. Um, it's super awkward, super weird. And my sweet, sweet meme is visiting from Florida. Oh. So yesterday I was busy. I went and had dinner with our family and then, uh, I had a lot of errands to run. So I'm still not a hundred percent. Well, I'm finally starting to feel Mm. better though. Two weeks later, guys. No, it's more than two weeks. Um, like two weeks and a day or two, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so I haven't had a lot of free time. Yeah, I I've been super busy. Um, this week was a little better. I had I fit in some more movies this week, but um, I ended up uh, just just like we got grades due and stuff. And then next week I start back at Polk State on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I'm oh, gonna be 
super overwhelmed. Yeah, I have, my courses are just 12 weeks this semester. So oh. they, they start like a month later than all the other courses. But um, it, so like I'm kind of like ready and stressed out at the same time about transitioning back into that because basically Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be non-existent for me because I'm going to go my normal job, which I get off at like 4. My Polk State job starts at um, like 6.30. And then I don't get out of there until 9.15. Because I have back-to-back two classes. Um, oh, dang. And then on my way home, I'm hitting the gym. So, because um, uh, I'm like, well, I've already lost the day. I might as well make that my... Because I'm going to the gym three days a week now. And um, so Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be my, my gym nights. Um, but it's just going to be like a really super long day. And then, uh, you know, it's basically I won't get to see Thursday preview movies for a while now. Um, and I just realized I have two reviews I still need to write from this week. Uh but I'll get to them. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, otherwise nothing major has happened. Just, just been. I just feel busy and drained. Like there was one night this week I went to bed. At, I think it was Tuesday. Um, I was trying to like do stuff, something. Like I was like, I'm gonna try to do something to relax or whatever. And then like it was ten o'clock, and I'm like, I think I'm gonna go to sleep. And I like went to sleep at ten o'clock, which might sound normal, but for me. That is abnormal by far. Yeah, I don't um, know how you sleep as little as you do. Yeah, um, I, I'm five hours, six hours most. Uh, <laughs> but that day, I, but the worst part is I went to bed at ten, but I had like one of the most restless nights of my where <sighs> I can remember. So like I didn't really sleep at all, um, and I think I was up at like four thirty, like just unable to to sleep anymore. And um, so you know, it was it was not not a good evening. But again, not not anything really bad, but. Today, this Friday the 13th stuff, we had some crazy stuff happen at work, and it was just one thing after another. Um, it just felt like everything was chaos, and then little things. Nothing major really happened. Like, even uh, we were recording Top 5. You'll hear that later this week, I had to cut the episode short and change our format slightly to finish it, because I, I plans that we had did not work out properly, and I ended up having to leave to pick up my, my kid and her friends um, from a football game, and which is completely fine. Um, but it still was like, you know, oh my goodness, this, it, normally this wouldn't have been an issue and suddenly it was an issue. So, uh, yeah, cause again, like normally the football game would have lasted another 20, 30 minutes, but we were beating the team so badly that the mercy rule kicked in and the clock just keeps running. So the game ended much more quickly. I think we won like 72 to nothing apparently. What? So, yeah. We, we did show Ooh. no mercy, uh, to the team we played against, but um, that said, listener, uh, if you're new to Movie Club, we do start with this. We just kind of talk and catch up. Um, Corey and I are in different states, almost uh, two time zones away. So the only time we really get to talk is when we do these podcasts. And um, we will be giving a full review of The Fly uh, from 1986 later in the episode. But first, we like to talk about what we've been watching. Um, I'm going to go first, if that's okay, Corey. Yeah. I used Shudder for the first time this week. Um I was looking at 2019 films uh, on Saturday night, I think it was. I wanted to watch a movie that um, was from this year that I hadn't seen that I had access to that wouldn't cost me any money. You know, like maybe something on Prime or whatever. So I pulled up Letterboxd and I looked at the uh, highest rated films from 2019 that I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And I came across this documentary called Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. And it's a Shudder original. I'm like, oh, well, how great. I now have access to Shudder. Why not? And I am very glad that I did. I really enjoyed the documentary. Um, it showcases uh, black characters and black horror movies throughout the history of horror in a very interesting way with lots of interviews from great horror directors, um, actors, and Jordan Peele being kind of the, the centerpiece um, 
especially because of Get Out's impact on the genre. Uh, so I recommend that if you have access to Shudder. Um, I would even say if you want to give Shudder a free trial, that would be one of the things I'd say watch first and it's only five bucks a month and if you pay for a year i think it's only it ends up being like 48 dollars a year yeah there's a lot of the streaming services like this that are more niche where like they have a specific audience like movie uh, only has 30 movies at a time they're usually like six or seven bucks but if you buy a year it's cheaper um and if any of them want to sponsor us go for it uh we are in um then i went and saw it chapter two uh on sunday um, I liked it, didn't love it. I, I have some issues with it, more issues with it than I wanted to have, but I still found it mostly uh, enjoyable, kind of. Um, but my review for it will be up by the time this podcast airs. Um, then I watched The Fly uh, on Monday. Didn't see anything Tuesday. As I mentioned, I ended up going to bed like kind of abruptly on Tuesday night. Uh, but Wednesday, I doubled up. I watched. Uh, I went to the theater and saw Angry Birds Movie 2. Um one, because of a uh, regal promotion that I was trying to fin- finalize, which I'm not even sure if it worked or not. Uh, but um, I did like the first one. I found the first one to be much more entertaining than I would have ever expected a movie based on such a simplistic video game. Not that it's easy to play, mind you. I meant simplistic, like, story-wise. It's, it's not a story game. It's a it's more of a puzzle game. Um, and so I, was, I enjoyed the first one. I thought the second one was funny. It's essentially a rom-com. And if you've listened to the show long enough, you know I'm a sucker for rom-coms. Um... Then I got home, uh, I was going to do some stuff, and I decided I would throw on another movie, um, mainly because of the director of another film I'm going to talk about momentarily. Uh, it, she, her, second, her, her new film came out this week. Um, so I watched Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Uh, it's directed by Lorene uh, Scafaria. I'm sure I said that wrong. Uh, this movie stars Steve Carell, Kira Knightley, um, and then a bunch of other people show up, but come and go. Like Connie Britton's in it, Rob Corddry, but they're barely in the film. It's really Knightley and Carell. Um, I'd been wanting to see this for a little while, and Big Tuna had been trying to get me to watch this for a while. Um, and I'm glad that I did. I liked it. I definitely want to revisit it because I was doing other stuff while watching it. But um, I definitely like uh, this director's style, and I know that now because I saw her new movie. Corey, this, is gonna, this may shock you. Yes. I went and saw Hustlers last night. Have you seen the trailer oh. for Hustlers? Mm, is that the stripper one? It is the stripper J-Lo? one. It's an unfair uh, um, condemning <laughs> of that film, though, because it is not a stripper movie. First thing that you need to know about it is that it's, again, Lorraine uh, Scafaria. It's a female director. Uh, and so you're not going to have the gazy male eye on the strippers like you would have if this was showgirls or striptease. Um, there, is some, there is some stripper scenes, but honestly, not that many, especially if you were watching the trailer. The trailer, for once... I would say the trailer mostly um, it does a good job of keeping a lot of the content from the third act out. There is a few scenes that are in the trailer that are in the third act, but for the most part, all the strip club stuff happens in the first 30 minutes or so when it really comes to like the dancing. It it comes back once in a while, but it's nowhere near as much as it looks. I was so impressed with this movie. Um, And I think to the point, uh, like my friend uh, uh, was there with me. Um, was planning on leaving early because he's a big football fan and there was a football game on with the Bucks last night and he wanted to get home and watch it. He walked out to leave um, and like five minutes later he came back in and he's like, okay, I, I gotta finish this. I'm like, right, this movie is really good. I was so surprised how good this movie is. Um, it, it's compelling. It's a it's based on a true story of this, a true crime story basically. 
and it's it, the performances j-lo is it's one of her best performances that i can remember period um constance Wu continues to impress um julia styles who i haven't seen it since i think dexter uh was the last thing i remember seeing her in new um she's really good in this but small role kiki palmer's great and lily reinhardt who if you've watched riverdale she's betty on riverdale um she is in this and she's excellent um it, it you know there's some weird things like uh cardi b is in this movie but she's barely in this film like they give her like three real quick little monologues like where she's just telling somebody off but she's not even like a major character in this movie so it's just like a, a little bit of an odd choice because the premise of this film cardi b has been accused of and i think admitted to like uh drugging mm. and, and stealing from men when she was a stripper so a little odd that that's part of the plot of this movie but um i i'm really impressed by this director this film was not one i had any interest in um and it ended up uh really winning me over i did read about it i didn't want to you know because it has doesn't it have to do with like well i know that it takes place during the recession or something in their business yep Yep. 2008 uh, it runs from 2007 to 2014 but Mm -hmm. the framing device is julia stiles is a reporter so uh interview with the vampire-esque you know like she's uh interviewing um constance Wu's character in 2014 who's then kind of giving her the story from 20 from 2007 onward um with some other things it's not as straightforward as that but it's basically that um Mm -hmm. and it's man i i was hooked the whole time there's it's funny at times um the uh, man it I was kind of blown away by it because again I went um I mainly went to see it because this month is really slim and you know I do movie uh sorry this is movie club I do bloody awesome movie podcast with Matt and we watch the four big releases for this uh this month there's really nothing else it's it's this it um at Estrada and then our last one we either have to put Downton Abbey um Rambo Last Blood which is kind of what we're leaning towards right now which means I'm going to have to watch all the Rambo movies because I've only seen the first one and it's been a long time. And then um, there's like one other movie, but it's also another kind of like throwaway film. So this one was a must-see for me because of the podcast. But I'm really glad that I did because I loved it. It's it's really good. And I haven't written my review for it yet, but it'll be up next week sometime. But I was really impressed um, at the movie itself. I am getting to see, though, this weekend, Peanut Butter Falcon. Yay! Is at my theater. I was so excited. <gasps> I know Good. I could not believe we got it. I am going well, for sure. I was looking at movies because, like I said, I've been sick. I haven't been to the movies in like two weeks, so I was trying to see if there's something I could go see later on tomorrow night. And it still has like a full list of showtimes at my theater. Yeah, it's doing so. well. Everyone that sees it seems to like it. Um, and then. Uh, I am also hoping to see the Goldfinch this weekend, although I'm a little apprehensive about that one. That's a uh, new Ansel Elgore, Nicole Kidman. Um, oh, it's Jeffrey Wright. I think it's Jeffrey Wright. I always screw up his first name. It's Wright is his last name. Great actor whose name I just for some reason always throws me off. Um, but yeah, that one I've heard mixed things on. Uh, it looks, it looks kind of silly and also way dramatic. But I like Ansel, and I'm gonna probably see it um regal unlimited awesome again not a sponsor wish they were um just keep throwing those out there maybe one day they'll give us money <laughs> um on the bright side movie pass is shutting down so that's exciting news yay bastards um 
They did get one more $15 out of me, though, because they didn't cancel my account after I canceled my account 17 times. And then would ignored every attempt I had of trying to get them to refund my money. Like, they just would not respond to me. And I finally was just like, fine. Um, That said, good riddance, you bastards. Uh, You were great for a a while, but you're a crazy ex-girlfriend to me now, and I'm glad you're (laughs) good. That said, uh, Corey, what have you been watching? Not a lot. Um, Really, just I watched uh, an episode of Nosferatu. Um, I'm super excited. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, I think it is Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it. New horror movie. I think that it's like uh, based off of folklore or fairy tale. And uh, it came to Shudder really quickly. So I'm pretty Mm. excited about that. But I haven't really watched anything. Well, on a side note, I forgot. I am uh, still watching Psych. And I got to season eight. And Mm. I I don't like the first two episodes very much. And I don't know if I can finish season eight. Because the big change they did in the last episode of season seven was... um, Oh, man. I always forget his name. What's the the nerd in 16 Candles and Breakfast Club? Anthony Michael Hall? Yeah, he shows up to be like an asshole character where he like takes over the police station and i like two episodes in i'm like i hate this character this character doesn't even feel like he belongs in the universe of psych like he feels so like out of it like it's real bad and i'm like two episodes in i'm like i don't know if i could take a whole season of this guy and i don't know i haven't looked to see if he's in the whole season or not he's not he's listed like in the show he's the interim police chief but i'm like i don't i don't think i can make it uh and that's a shame because i love the show up until now and like season eight i'm just like uh crap maybe this gets really bad um so might be skipping the rest of the season uh i don't know like because like the first episode of season eight wasn't so bad but they had it, it definitely doesn't feel like the same show at this point and i'm not i'm not feeling it so um i might let it go well i'm sorry i lied i actually like most of episode one because uh Carrie Ellis has a recurring role in Psych. Um, he plays this uh, thief named Despero, and he's on multiple episodes throughout the series. And I love him so much, and he's so great in this character. So he's in episode one, not enough, but he's in it just enough to make episode one mostly likable. But yeah, there's some stuff I don't care for. So that's the last thing. I haven't watched anything else. I'll stop. Um, <laughs> that leads us to our movie of the week. Let's get into the stats, shall we? Um, the Fly from 1986. Corey has never seen it before. Our theme for this month, which I just realized I had not mentioned, is uh, <laughs> remakes. So these are movies that Corey and I have seen at least the original of before, but never the remake, or at least one of us haven't. Uh, Corey has not seen this version of The Fly, although we did the uh, the 1956 or 57, 58, whatever year it was, version of The Fly as an episode of this podcast a couple of years ago, I think. Um and so it made sense that we finally knocked this one off your, your gap list. Uh, this is David Cronenberg's film. Stars Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, John Getz. And that's kind of it. There's really not a whole lot of other characters in this movie. There is one other female who deserves some recognition. I'm guessing she is Joe, Joe Bushel. Um, because every other character is basically in it for less than a few seconds. Um, even, I don't know if you caught this, but the gynecologist is played by the director, David Cronenberg. Um when Gina Davis goes to have uh, a certain procedure done, um, which we'll talk about in spoilers. Um, 
if you've never seen the film The Fly, the premise, according to IMDb.com, is a brilliant but eccentric scientist begins to transform into a giant man-slash-fly hybrid after one of his experiments goes horribly wrong. Um, it has a 79 on Metascore and a 7.5 IMDb user score. Um, before we get into spoilers, we like to just give a gen general review. I've seen this before, so I think maybe letting Corey go first makes sense. Uh, what were your thoughts of The Fly? I'm so sorry. This is so awkward. Uh, my cat, Max, was in here hanging out with me, and he just had a heart attack and ripped my headphones out of my computer. So, hi, I'm back. Oh, that was weird timing because you caught it just as I asked you to tar start talking about The Fly. Um, yeah. I did hear a bunch of that noise, but uh, what, <laughs> what were your thoughts on The Fly? Oh my god, you were right about the body horror. I uh, didn't think I was going to make it a couple of times. Yes, agreed. Um, I don't know if... I mean, I feel like I should watch some of his movies, but... <sighs> I feel like this is going to be pretty controversial. I don't really know if this would be an essential viewing... I'd say it's definitely controversial. Uh, 76, 79 Metascore, um, and an and excellent movie. What what did you not like? Um, I just kind of felt like, I don't know. I don't know how to say what I want to say, but I kind of felt like sometimes it was just trying too hard to be gross. Like, I... Uh, and it felt like it was filler. It's an hour and thirty six minutes. Yeah, I know, but I felt like there wasn't there were parts where there just wasn't really any I don't know. It was just him turning into a fly for such a long time. For such a long time. I I am I am flabbergasted. <laughs> um I I find this uh, evaluation ridiculous um in a lot of ways like, i'll let you finish this episode on your own so i mean um if there was going to be any complaints about this film the only one that i could make a strong argument for is her disinterest in him and her rapid falling into love feels yeah a like their yeah well even their whole relationship is just so well, it Weird. starts as a working relationship, and she's clearly turned on by his uh, intelligence and his, maybe his power, that he's, like, created this device that allows for teleportation. Um, but And I, I think go ahead. also that it's just her that gets to, like, be a part of seeing all this happen. Yeah, no. there's that, you know, the, the intimacy of being in on the secret sort of thing, like she's on the ground floor. And there is, I mean, to a degree there's like he's helping her career in theory like if this goes well she's gonna have this exclusive story and this is not technically a spoiler listeners this is all the first 15 minutes or so the setup of the film uh we start with them at a party she's interviewing him uh he he tries to get her to come back to his place he succeeds um then he gets very mad when she, he realizes that she wants the, an article um after she sees the uh the teleporter work and um uh he you know there's there's a lot of setup that's done very well we find out that he has motion sickness which i think is significant um to like why he's wanting a teleporter i guess because he every form of transportation makes him sick 
so teleportation would would alleviate that um but also like i think when as he's changing he's no longer motion sick uh but um so for me the body horror is excruciating um i don't know how much i i maybe i guess should have done some reading i think it's almost all practical though uh given the the time period um it's definitely if there is cg it's, it's very minimal cg uh, because of the availability of it, it wasn't something that was you know really doable on a large scale, um, and the practical effects are awesome, uh, gross, horrifying, um, in every regard. Uh, and Goldblum is, I I love good job. I don't know how you feel about Goldblum as an actor in general. I'm a big fan of him. I, I like his kind of odd uh, cadence with his delivery of dialogue, and um, you know I, I've been a fan basically because of Jurassic Park. That was I feel like I saw Earth Girls Are Easy as a kid long before I saw Jurassic Park. But I don't think I made that connection when I saw Jurassic Park. I think it was years later <clears> I would make that connection. Um, which I think is also Gina Davis, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, I think that you are right. Yeah, so two Goldblum uh, Gina Davis films that I think are both um, very different, but both enjoyable in their own right. Uh, this one by far more. Um, there are at least two sequences in this film where I could not look at the screen um i was on the verge of texting you and telling you i couldn't finish it ah um but i uh i i really really enjoy this film i think as a horror film it works um i think it takes what the uh 50s version did and makes it much more serious and um i think it raises the the like the themes a little bit more i think there's an existential element to this um you know even because he's he wants her to go through the machine too at one point and there's just there's a lot of stuff going on i feel like can be really broken down and analyzed um because the 50s version while entertaining is it's very cheesy and it's very like it's a 50s sci-fi film it's exactly that it's a b movie at best or a fly movie if you want to be more technical or literal um and it's it's fine it's enjoyable uh, there's good performances um, but it's definitely an, a relic of what when it was. Um, I feel like this movie holds up in, in much bigger ways throughout, um, at the very least in terms of practical effects, because it's something we're missing a lot of. And Cronenberg was the master at it. I mean, him and Carpenter both, uh, you know, do some amazing horror stuff. The Thing being, you know, my favorite Carpenter practical effects. And then I also want to give credit to John Landis and uh, the American Werewolf in London. Which oh hell yeah! Has some amazing practical effects in it. And those are films that I really revere and, and enjoy and, and I like going back to and this is my second viewing of the fly i liked it as much as i remember liking it um it it bothered me as much as it bothered me the first time like i had to look i was like walked out of watching this with with david um when i saw it the first time and was like like traumatized to a point like i was really disturbed by some of the imagery in the film some of the 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 topics that we'll get into momentarily um, really bug me, but, and I, I feel like this movie just flies, <laughs> um, but truthfully, like, I, the hour 36, I never felt like it was dragging, um, and I, I just, I just enjoy it, um, I do, I hate John Getz's character, um, who is her boss and ex-boyfriend, and, like, that whole dynamic is disturbing, but I think there is a level of obsession that you see throughout the film, um, her obsession with her story, uh, both of their the both of the man's obsessions with her, um, his obsession with his his device, 
you know, there's a lot of, of things that kind of deal with that. And I think that's compelling in that way. Um, but yeah, John gets character and no, nothing against his well, performance. Just awful. But character. I think that he, you know, by the end, but he in is a, way, a little redeemable. That's what kind of bugs me though. <laughs> um, accidental puns. Um, is that he uh, is redeemed a little bit at the end, and I don't think he got to do anything to deserve that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he just, like, suddenly... No, no. Like, so... Oh, where... Okay, when he I, does it, yes, he's redeemed, but he... he nothing about the character implies that no he would have been heroic. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. just suddenly is because of necessity, but he doesn't change all the asshole things he did beforehand. Um, so, let's... Uh, I think... I, I love this movie. Corey feels very cold on this film uh, we'll have to find out what her rating is at the end but before we do that we like to talk in full detail so Corey, guys from here on out we are going to talk about the fly in great detail you've been warned all right so i would say of all the horror movies that we've covered on this show <clears throat> we've done a few i feel like we usually see eye to eye on horror more often than not which is surprising not not necessarily in our overall taste but in terms of what we've done for the podcast. Because a lot of the big horrors that we've gone into, I, we both have hated a lot. Like some of the big ones, like Suspiria and uh, Phantasm. Phantasm? Right? Is yeah. that what it's called? Um, yes. <clears throat> and I feel like most of the other ones we've agreed on. Mm-hmm. And this one, we seem almost on opposite ends of the, the opinions. Yeah. I just don't feel like this was a necessary viewing i feel like i don't think i want to watch it again um i i don't know sometimes i just feel like um especially with horror movies that i see what you're saying about the obsession now though and i didn't catch that while i was watching it because i'm a genius but sometimes i feel like they're just trying so hard to be, like, shocking or disgusting or... And, I mean, I guess it is a disgusting, you know, that it would be disgusting if it happened, but I don't know. I never feel like it's it's out of nowhere, because I, I think the transformation, especially the final transformation, when he becomes the full-on fly, like, everything that, like, him, the body parts falling off... And I think some of it is played for humor, and I really, I laugh. Like, when his ear falls off, it, it cracks me <laughs> up every time because of his I reaction. I do love that he, uh, I think he said it's the National, the Brundle Museum of National History or something in his medicine cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where he has his ear and other various things that have fallen off. I'm pretty the sure his penis is in that medicine cabinet, by the way. I that, think that you're right. He's not wearing pants in that scene, and there is no, he is a Ken doll at that point like there is nothing there um so i'm pretty sure one of the objects that we, we see is supposed to have been his uh penis at some point um because yeah he, he has fallen apart literally um okay so i'm gonna guess that one of the scenes that you had to look away was when his fingernails start falling off it was all the fingernail stuff yeah. the teeth things didn't really bother me no. like usually stuff with teeth like really really bothers but me but they like... just fall out here like yeah. it's not like he doesn't like rip them out the fingernails like yeah. he bites and it's oh and it doesn't happen just once it's at no. least twice mm -hmm. that well and that scene's so long like they really drag it out and i i think but i think again 
this is a body horror film. Like that needs to be noted. Like the horror that they're going for here is body horror. That's the horror that you're going to be upset by. So if you don't like body horror, it's definitely not going to work. I feel like all the body horror is earned in the story. I think the transformation that he goes through throughout the film is uh, paid off. And I mean, even the very first time they send the baboon through, and the, you I get was that. Pissed. Yeah, well, yes, but it's but it's so well done. Like it's so creepy. Like the bloody handprint on the glass. I even I love the set design. I love the pods. Like the I think they're called telepods. Yes. I love the way they look. I love all the smoke that comes out of them. Um, Gina Davis making little wisecracks about the the uh, telephone. Yeah, well, and the like uh, the microwave. Like you microwave my you blew up my stockings. Like, um, and then the steak experiment that he does later, and like when he figures out the breakthrough of why the machine isn't doing um you know why it killed the baboon um i, I love all of that stuff i love all the pseudoscience um i just love that that's where we started we started with a baboon yeah i mean we did a stalking and then we went straight to a baboon well he'd done other tests he just hadn't had like success with uh life form to be fair we don't know what other life forms he might have tried um there is an indication that he's been building uh quickly towards this um, and then he does the human trial after drinking way too much because he's jealous of the boss. Because she, like, the first time they have sex, it's very sweet, it's very intimate, um, and I think very tasteful. I don't think, you know, because uh, even, like, he when once he is the fly, like, he goes through the transporter, the fly goes in with him, he is now a hybrid, which is a big change from the original film, right? In the original film, there is a fly with a human head, and there's a human with a fly head and hand. Um... And that's it, you right? Like, and his, but his mind is still the same, but it's slowly transforming. Here, that's not what happens. The two are merged to one species, and it's what he calls Brundlefly, because his name is Seth Brundle. And um, slowly, he's becoming more fly than human. And uh, there's no real explanation as to why that is. Um, it might be because he keeps sending himself through the teleporter because he thought it was making him godlike, uh, but it was really making him fly-like. And, um, man, the first time when he starts getting acne really grosses me out. Like, is it's just the way it uh, looks. Um, uh, yeah, and he, like, starts getting all sweaty and stuff. Yeah, and the, the coarse hair is growing out of his, his uh, Ugh, back. His, the back scar that he got from that, the microchip or whatever. Um, and those little subtle things. So, like, they have sex. He rolls over on this, like, computer component. Because I guess the implication is he never really uses his bed to sleep. He just, like... You know, it's another tabletop to put work pieces on, because um, he's a he's a workaholic. He like works in isolation. And he's very smart. Um, now he's got her. He gets jealous and uh, gets drunk. Does the whole teleportation thing, um, and then you know you have the moments with Gets where Gets is like just a creep, like every which way, like breaking into her apartment and showering in there, well, having a key still and refusing to give it back. Yeah. It's just like, dude, that's messed up, man. Yeah, and he just went and showered there. Like, what is that, dude? Like, that's that's so screwed up. Um, and then, like you said, he does get to be the hero, kind of. He does lose an arm and a leg, um, in the grossest way imaginable. The, the okay. So if you're not familiar with flies, they eat by puking, a, like a an acidic substance that dissolves the food and they suck it back up. So that's how Jeff Goldblum has to eat, and it is horrifying to watch it grosses me out so much every time and i like uh it's so horrifying. i knew that flies vomit 
well, I have heard so many times that flies vomit every time they land. Yes. But I didn't realize that they needed that to eat, that that's how they... I mean, I had no idea. Well, and when I you learned... think about it, it's why they're important um, in the ecosystem, because they, they dissolve food and trash and whatever, you know? Um, yeah. And, and a lot of times, poop, right? Like, whenever you see flies around, like, a pile of poop, they're getting rid of that poop, so that poop's not going to be there anymore. Um Hopefully it's not, you know, human poop because that's gross. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like, uh, Get's character at all. Um, Gina Davis getting pregnant, um, and after Seth has become part fly, so now she doesn't know what kind of an abomination she has growing inside of her, uh, which is a horrifying abortion sequence later in the movie. Ugh. Um, especially because I had forgotten that that was a dream sequence the first time. And so I'm like, is there always that much blood? Is that part of an abortion? Because, like, I don't... I've luckily, I think, not seen many movies that actually depict an abortion, and I've heard like you know stories and whatnot. But like seeing one represented in a horror film, in a body horror film, at that was disturbing to say the least. Yeah, that was a little unexpected, and I did not realize it was a dream to begin with. No, and he doesn't want you to, but I had seen the movie before, so I should have known. But I, I had still forgot that it was a dream. Um, and yeah, the the, the larva baby, disturbing. Um, but don't do that. The Brundlefly is gross. Uh, he gets grosser throughout the film. Um, she keeps going back to him, and I can see maybe Corey that being a complaint that you're making is that like, stop going back. Like, what do you keep going back for? Like, just leave him be, um, or leave him fly. Fly. You know? I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. Just like I don't. Well, I I really enjoy the film, especially when he does. Um, he fully like kind of comes out of the larva of of Seth Brundle, and he's now full fly. And he's got the fly eyes and arms, and his knees are now bent the other way. That was pretty cool. It's a really cool transformation sequence. But his right? head splits open. Yeah, yeah. that whole and she rips the jaw off like really easily because he doesn't have a jaw Ugh. anymore. Um, it, it's so crazy and. I mean, he, his mannerisms when he's the Brundlefly and how he talks and everything, even when he kidnaps her. Um, but there's like a King Kong sympathetic element to it too, because he doesn't seem like he wants to hurt her. Um, then when his plan though is to merge her, him and the baby all into one being, that's when you're like, okay, he's insane. Zero two hundred, real quick. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if I caught that when I saw it the first time. I don't think I realized what his plan was. I I just didn't really because first it's like he wants her to have the baby so that him before stays alive okay i can understand that but then wanting to merge all three of them i don't really know well but so there was a setup for that which was that um he was calculating how much human he needed to be more human than fly and so by merging the baby and her with him he'll be three times the person to the fly and his hope is that he can write the ship. I don't know what he thinks they'll be. Like, if they'll just be, like, one super being who's, like, somehow both Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum's handsome and gorgeousness merged into one or something. You know what I mean? Like, just some weird, like, ambiguous, uh, can't quite tell, um, you know, what's the, what's the other word? Not ambiguous. It, ambiguous is an appropriate word, but, uh, androgynous. Um, like this androgynous goddess of a, of a person. Um, cause when he first comes out of the machine, he is kind of like godlike. He's, you know, the, the full 
hunkiness of Jeff Goldblum comes into play. He's very confident. Um, and that's one of the things I wanted to point out, and I almost forgot, was the, when he picks up the girl at the bar. Because he's uh, so he's a fly, and his sexual overdrive is on super high. Um, and so Gina Davis is, like, dying of dehydration. Um, and again, not uh, most of the sex takes place off camera. Like, there's an implication that they've had sex, but it's not graphic. And even when he picks up this girl from the bar, uh, with the exception of his butt for a few seconds, the sex is relatively off camera. And um, the girl, even, like, she's not wearing a bra she's just wearing a jacket but i think she stays covered up even so they they do it fairly tastefully for an 86 film at least i i felt like it could have been way more grotesque um or sexual in that way and it doesn't come off that way like you watch like a friday the 13th slasher film there's gonna be a lot more nudity and sexuality with the campers than there is in this film even though the the a plot point is that this character is like on sexual overdrive because of his fly like I think the idea being that they have to meet because they only have a short lifespan. Um, so, um, but I, yeah. Uh, anything else? Mm, no. I mean, there's not a lot of plot. I think we've covered the plot um, and uh, the, the body horror. We've talked about the parts that really gross us out. I guess the last thing is gets at the end. Um, he's trying to shoot him he he throws up on his hand his hand melts it's really gross uh then he he's reaching for the gun with his leg and he's almost in shock um because his limb just melted off and he throws up on his leg and then his leg melts off and it's gross and Bleh. awesome it's visually like really well done though considering it's you know all practical it looks awesome um cronenberg is the master of body horror and i haven't seen all of his movies but um I, I really do like this film and I think the body horror is horrifying and it, it does what it's trying to do so I enjoy it um, I think it it looks gross but it looks amazing at the same time I think it's like really really well done and uh, iconic in a lot of ways as well, far as imagery goes yeah and I was reading though um, that the makeup artist that did it was well pretty well regarded um because I was interested in the practical effects that, um, you know, how much of it was practical effects. Uh-huh. Um, but it the it was a, an Academy Award winning makeup uh, was designed and executed by Chris Wallace, and it took him three months. That's um, interesting because he would uh, Chris Wallace W A L A S right uh, would uh-huh. go on to direct the uh, loathed sequel to this film. Uh, oh, The Fly Two. I didn't realize that's who that was, uh, but apparently, you know, they're like, hey, you did really great. Let's bring him back in. So in this one, uh, if you're not familiar with it, the almost human son of Brundlefly searches for a cure to his mutated genes while being monitored by a nefarious corporation that wishes to continue his father's experiments. Um, Get out of here. Played I by Eric Stoltz. Uh, uh, Daphne Zuniga is the love interest. Um, and then John Getz is in this movie again. I think he's playing the same character. So somehow, I'm assuming he has no arm or leg, um, or like some really good prosthetic that That's somebody picked up. But uh, yeah, um, I've never seen the sequel. I've heard it's really bad. Uh, it's got like a 36 on Metacritic. Mm. Um, and couldn't get Gina Davis or uh, Goldblum to even do like a cameo in it. So it can't be very good. Um, but uh 
yeah, the, that ending sequence, I think all the, the, um, all the effects, and I do want to, there is a callback, because remember, the iconic last moment of the fly, the 50s version, is the little fly body stuck in a spider web with the human head saying, help me, you know, that's yes. the, and you kind of get that here, because Goldblum is sent through the telepod, but he, uh, the telepod merges with him, so he's like a fly hybrid telepod, and so he's like suffering, he's dying, but he can't speak. But he takes the his little fly claw, grabs the shotgun and puts it to his head, ultimately saying, "Help me or kill me." Um, we finish this off. I I don't I can't live like this. And it's sad. Gina Davis I think does a really good job being super dramatic in a ultimately body horror driven film. Um, and I really I am a big Gina Davis fan. I like her in most things that I've seen her in. I think she's really good in this. And I also again same with Goldblum. Um, just those two alone make this movie worth watching to me. And I think it is, I think it is a quintessential viewing if you are into body horror. If not, I can see maybe making an argument, um, that it's not essential, but if you're just into like practical effects and, and what Cronenberg did, uh, at the time, I think is really impressive and it's very minimalistic. There's not a lot of sets in this film. Um, even the, the arm wrestling sequence, which I keep skipping over that whole like little moment when Goldblum goes out oh, to get the girl, but man, when they're arm wrestling and his arm just like cracks. Wouldn't so you like tell somebody to stop? Like it's going on for a little bit, you know, it wasn't just like an instantaneous, he touches your hand and pushes it a little bit and it breaks. Like you guys are, you're still sitting there trying to arm wrestle this fool. Yeah. I think it's that male pride thing. Uh, that was, I would say, heavily associated with the '80s male too, and like movies, the representation that ma- men were all kind of like pig-headed and uh, macho and whatever. Well, then he lost his damn hand, didn't he? And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, most likely. We don't know what happens afterwards, but he definitely uh, has a pretty hard break. He saw bone. Oh yeah, bone broke through the skin, hardcore. Um, I uh, yeah, I I really I like this movie, but it's okay that you didn't, I guess. Um, I guess let's get to our rating then for uh, the Cronenberg. I I'm I'm gonna go must see. I I think this movie's great. It's one that I will advocate people watch, uh, especially again if you like body horror. Um, and I've seen it twice, and I would watch it again, even though I know now when to hide my eyes because there are parts <laughs> that gross me out severely. Right, I didn't know when it was safe to look at the screen, but I pretty much did watch the whole time with both fingernails. Like I thought I was gonna throw up, but and one of them like breaks in half in the middle when he's like pulling it off yeah um i'm really weird about fingernails and teeth guys um which i guess everybody is because we keep seeing them come up in horror films but i mean like raw even on the daily like fingernails gross me out when people touch me with their fingernails um i'm gonna go with a decent watch Okay, um, that's still not bad. That could be way worse. Um, that's you know decent watch. Well, because I can good. respect what he did with you know yeah his effects and stuff. And I totally get why one wouldn't want to watch this movie. Um, I just find the characters to be really interesting, and I, I do think the story is interesting. Um, in a lot of ways, I think there's more. I, I mentioned the obsession thing, but I think there's more that could be dug into. Um, I have only seen it twice, and I'm I have I'm barely awake right now, so. Digging any deeper feels impossible. Um, which, speaking of digging deeper, I am vastly worried about our next movie, Corey. Uh, oh, I think, man. I think both of us are probably... You have not seen this either, right? 
I'm trying to look and see what it is. I can't remember. Oh, it's The Fog from 2005, <laughs> the remake of the John Carpenter film that you and I both really like. I would say that I love this movie. And the original, not this one, right? Yeah, the original. And I wanted to tell you something funny, because um, this is the one where Adrian Barbeau has the um, radio station in the lighthouse, right? Yes. So in Tales from Halloween, Tales of Halloween or whatever, a movie that I watched a couple weeks ago and I talked about, she plays the radio DJ. Oh. And it's just like really cool because I think that she's pretty awesome and I thought it was cool, that thing. But um, yeah, so I'm a little nervous about this. Well, if you haven't seen the original Fog, I recommend that one. It's 1980s John Carpenter movie, The Fog. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it following Halloween. Um, I don't, I guess she is the lead, but there's other people that are more prominent in my memory from that movie. But, um, also the guy that is in, uh, Halloween three season of the witch is in the fog that I like a lot. I can't think of his name, but I like him in that movie. Um, but this version 2005 remake is directed not by John Carpenter, but Rupert Wainwright. Um, it stars Tom Welling, who is from, uh, Oh, he's from Smallville. That's where I knew him from. Um, he was Superman on Smallville. Uh, draft Day, Cheaper by the Dozen, apparently. Um, and then uh, Maggie Grace, who I don't know. I guess she's in Taken. She's in Lost. Um, and I guess Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, but I haven't really watched that much. Um, and then Selma Blair, who has had an up-and-down career, to say the least. D. Ray Davis, Kenneth Welsh, other people I don't know. Uh, this movie has a 27 on Metacritic, oh, Corey. No. 27. A 3.7 IMDb user score. So this is a rare <laughs> occasion where both the critics and the fans are giving it the thumbs down. Um, it's an hour and 40 minutes, so not too bad. I, I We're probably going to say it could have been an hour and 40 minutes shorter. Um, but nonetheless, oh. we are going to be watching this. We had to purchase it uh, digitally. Um, oh, the first user review on IMDb is, this is the headline. One out of ten, they destroyed a classic horror flick. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're in for it next week. I apologize, folks. Uh, but the premise was hard. It was original that we had not seen the remake. I didn't have many, um, apparently. And so we're going with this. We'll make it up in that watch... last one, though. We'll, that last week oh, when we watched yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, from 79. I think every, Oh, 78. yeah, Donald Sutherland, right? Everyone will be happy. Yeah, that movie is fantastic. Great. So great i think we're gonna need it yes uh, agreed um agreed <laughs> so that said we'll be back next week with our episode where we uh pick apart the fog um and maybe clear the fog out of our own minds as we try to discuss in detail this movie that it looks like it's going to be a train wreck so that said Corey, where can they follow you on social media at Corey r star two r's on the end and I am at Burke Reviews. You can read my reviews at BurkeReviews.com and whenever Corey writes something, which is occasionally. Um, in the meantime, check out Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And also, please rate and review. Uh, it helps new listeners find us if we're getting good ratings. So if you like what we're doing, help us out. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews Podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, 
then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movieverse, there's something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. <laughs>